Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we're giving you the tools to make a difference right now. Today we have a special collab pod, not sure if that's a real word, but we're going to make it one, with Dr. Allison Gill, the creator and host of Muller She Wrote and the Daily Beans podcasts. We're going to talk about the J6 committee hearings, what's brewing at the Justice Department, and most importantly, we are very excited to announce our live super pod in Los Angeles to raise money for our How We Win Fund. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How We Win. It feels so good because Mariah is visiting Los Angeles from Austin, Texas, where she now lives. And it's literally the first time I've seen her in real life since uh, this really creepy, weird day early in the pandemic when everything was going on lockdown. And and uh, like yeah. I think I maybe even left a bag of recording equipment for you. like Backed away slowly yeah. down the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that must have been like March 2020 or something. Yeah. And um, we've just seen each other on Zooms since then. Mm-hmm. But... Um, this is cool. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you. It's good to be in here with you. And uh, and excited about this particular show and a little collaboration with our good friends at The Daily Beans, Muller She Wrote. Allison is always great and, yeah. uh, and has done so much powerful work in the progressive media space. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to talk to her and excited to talk about... Our live show. Which she's going to be a part of. Yes. It is a, it, I call it a super pod because it's going to include uh, Allison Gill. It, it's also going to include Brett and Ben Mycellus from the Midas Touch podcast and Frangela from The Final Word and Idiot of the Week. So, uh, and of <laughs> course, <laughs> of course, our special guest. Kathy Griffin. Whoa! I know. I'm. I'm. I'm really excited. All of the money is going directly to our How We Win fund to these candidates, um, in our important, important races because the midterms are coming. So this this show sounds incredible for those of us who don't live in Los Angeles. I know. I know, um, Mariah. Uh, can we participate? Can we see it? Yeah. Well. Um, we are going to record it, and it's going to go out on everyone's podcasts feeds as ah, well. That's so, why it's a super pod. That's why it's a super pod. We're just big on the pod collabs, collab pods. I don't. I'm just making up stuff. But um, anyway, uh, so there will be an opportunity. But if you're in LA, you got to come live. You got to experience the super pod. Yeah, it'll be um, fun for you guys to get everyone together, and then exciting to see what comes of it yeah yeah i think we're going to raise a lot of money i've been excited about what we've done so far and uh that's actually a nod to my reason for hope but uh we won't go there yet uh we'll jump in with some news of the week and um big news of the week is uh more january 6th investigation stuff another hearing happening Thursday in primetime, yeah. which can only mean they have some juicy oh, tidbits man. to share. I can't wait. I, I've been at the edge of my seat for every single hearing. Everyone 
is more jaw-dropping than the last. And, and to do this one in tr- prime time means they have some really impactful testimony to share. So I'm excited about that. We're going to talk a lot about January 6th with Allison, too, because she was there. She was actually in the room where it happened. She went to D.C. for a bunch of those hearings. So She was at, she was at the hearings. She wasn't at the insurrection. <laughs> I don't know where she was on January 6th. I'll, I'll have to ask her. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll double check. But I think it's safe to say that um, she wasn't there. So uh, really, she, really looking forward to hearing what's going on behind the scenes there from her. And then um, this week, jury selection in the Steve Bannon trial is happening. He's been charged with contempt of Congress for refusing to testify about his actions ahead of January 6th. His promise to to go medieval during this trial, the judge was like, mm-hmm. "Sure, we're going to pick a jury now." So, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, I, I, potentially more bad news for Donald Trump, who seems to be drop like not even dropping hints, but has basically said he's running again, and just a matter of of when, not if. That's right. A Rolling Stone article just dropped um, that he's been talking to his inner circle about running again uh, because he needs to protect himself from criminal investigations, which is, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's probably why most people decide to run for president of the United States. Um, the my pillow guy has convinced him that if he gets elected again, <laughs> he'll be completely immune from. When Pat Cipollone. <laughs> is upset with the people who are advising the president, (laughs) then you know it's a really, really dark group of advisors. Um, Yeah. We always laugh about these things, but they're so dark and disturbing (laughs) that it's just all you you can do is chuckle about it. um, You have to whistle through the apocalypse. I guess so. But (laughs) Allison's going to make us feel feel good about about you think I, I think so <laughs> I mean she's going to share a lot of information that's probably scary but the fact that we know that information that's the key yeah well love to see Bannon's trial starting in our uh, friend Glenn Kirshner uh, is mm-hmm. heading to DC right now he knows some of the prosecutors who are actively working on that trial so he's going to be covering that so that's going to be a great source of information on all things Convicted and then pardoned Steve Bannon. Hmm. Yet another terrible Steve out there in the world. I really, I, you know. Steve. Um, <laughs> uh, well, we've got a good Steve right here. And what is, what is he going to do with this information that he gets this week? He's going to watch the public hearing on Thursday, uh, primetime on TV. He's going to share real information. You can follow him at Blues Boy Steve, at How We Win Pod to get the latest. And he's going to help us stop the spread of misinformation. And I think we are all going to do our part to to help Steve out in that. <laughs> the good Steve. <laughs> That's what we're all going to do. And you just set me up to what have to like live tweet this uh, hearing. I, don't, I think I'm you a, should. I'm a terrible li- live tweeter, but I'll try it. Um, but to your point, we have a role to play in this. And um, Steve Bannon and his, uh, you know, uh, horrendous lie-filled um, podcast does its best and has an enormous reach to mm-hmm. uh, to spread misinformation and, and denigrate uh, the truth and, and what the January 6th committee is finding. So 
Um, it's our job to push back on that, to you know, to share information, talk to your neighbors. This is impactful. And the fact that it's going to be on primetime again, it's going to get a lot of viewers and a lot of people who maybe haven't been paying attention are going to see this one on Thursday. So uh, make sure we amplify those messages. Thank you for that. Um, Other big news of the week is uh, President Biden has an aggressive plan to combat climate change. And uh, we are on track to implement it. However, uh, we've hit a little bit of a speed bump in the form of Senator Joe Manchin, who is bloopity bloop once again, (laughs) um, like slowing down a good Democratic agenda item. What's yeah? What's going on? You know, I share the fear that a lot of Democrats have about um, like stripping him of his committee assignments. It's just like a punch to the gut that you know he. continues to behave like a Republican Mm. um, in a state that uh, desperately needs um, all of all of these agenda items to pass. Um, He takes so much money from fossil fuel companies and his own coal interests. You know, Manchin just keeps being Manchin, even though we don't want him to be Manchin. Uh, I don't want uh, um, what's his face? The turtle, uh, the Russian asset. I'm blanking on his name. Mitch McConnell. Thank you, Mitch McConnell. Um, I know who you're talking I, about. I don't want him to take back over the Senate. None of us do. So that's why we put up with Mansion's shit so that we can actually have a caucus. But our role in this, oh my God, the midterms are coming. And there has never been a more important time or opportunity to expand our Democratic numbers in the Senate and make Manchin less relevant. And would really love to do that because he is single-handedly, really, Mm -hmm. holding up the entire Democratic agenda. So let's make him less relevant. Uh, Let's make sure we elect more people to the Senate and hold on to the House. Right now, the polling is showing that it's actually... The Senate favors us a little bit, but it's still tenuous for us to hold on to the House. So we mm-hmm. have to make sure we don't lose our focus on both of those things at the same time. And uh, right. I would really like to see what uh, it looks like to have a true majority to um, to really be able to pass the legislation that we're trying to pass and, and see what that does for the American people. I think it would do a lot of good things. Uh, it would be incredible. Um, President Biden is going to, um, I believe, issue an ex- executive order to help mitigate some of the damage that Manchin has done with regards to climate, the like the climate change pieces mm-hmm. of the legislation that he put a stop to. But really, if we have the majority, we can pass these laws that, you know, the the next person in office can't quickly reverse because they were only in an executive order. Right. So, yes, uh, hold the House, expand the Senate. That's the the most important thing that we can do um, through volunteering and donating and and, and all that good stuff. So. Donating to the How We Win Fund, exactly. which includes Senate candidates That's and it right. includes House of Representative candidates. It includes some gubernatorial races, mm-hmm. state houses that are important, very, very important to making sure that uh, free and fair elections happen and results aren't overturned by Republican-controlled state houses, which 
unfortunately, is a legitimate concern. So... Okay, so we have our merching orders. Um, lots to do this week, um, but we have one more item on the to-do list. I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit. But uh, if you're in L.A. or you can get yourself to L.A. in August, on August 22nd, 22nd right? <laughs> <laughs> um, then we want to see you at this incredible Superpod MSW How We Win Fun Fundraiser yeah. uh, live show that's going to be in Los Angeles with Kathy Griffin and uh, you know more more guests may may join us. You never know who's going to pop in. Uh, the Midas Touch guys are going to be there. Frangela, I am so excited about this show. I've been wanting to do a live show for a long time, and. Uh, the the group of uh, fellow compatriots in the progressive podcast universe that are doing this with us has just blown me away, exceeded my expectations for what we could do. So it's going to be a great show. Most importantly, uh, as we have said, we are raising money for the How We Win Fund through mm-hmm. this. And uh, all of the ticket proceeds go directly to that fund. So we'll have a link in our show notes for you to buy tickets And if you can't make it to L.A., sadly, like Mariah, if you're unable to be there, there's still an opportunity, of course, to donate to the How We Win Fund. And there'll be a link in our show notes to that. Or you could go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win to donate directly to that fund. I'll probably still get some tickets and give them to friends here. Oh, look at that. Nice. Um, Okay, great. Now it is time for our reasons for hope. Steve, what's your reason for hope this week? Uh, My reason for hope is the response we've already gotten from our live show announcement. We announced it a few days ago on Twitter, and it really blew up. People are super excited about it. We've already sold a bunch of tickets. And so I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful for people's reaction and hopeful because I just see people stepping up right now in a big way. It's uh, great to see more people out there volunteering. It's great to see more donations coming into the fund and such enthusiasm for this show. So that's giving me a lot of hope. A great reason for hope. Um, My reason for hope this week is that um, a new mental health hotline went live a couple of days ago, 988. This is the equivalent of, you know, if you have an emergency, you dial 911. If you have a mental health crisis, you dial 988 from your phone from now on, and you will get connected to help and support. And why this is important is so many 911 calls for mental health crises are not handled in the way that's most appropriate. Sometimes the police get involved and they don't necessarily need to be in that ties up their work and their response, you know, they might not have the training to respond to a mental health crisis. Um, and so this year, you're, you're going to be connected to, to people who are qualified to respond. Um, the Biden administration is investing something like $400 million in, in beefing up crisis centers and other mental health services that support this system. So um, program it into your phone right now. But um, from here on out, uh, dialing 988 is the mental health equivalent of di- dialing 911 for help. 
Um, so I hope everybody doesn't need to use it. Um, but if if they do run across somebody who's having a mental health crisis or you feel like you need help yourself, um, please don't hesitate to use that number. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad that that uh, is now a thing as we are in a mental health crisis in our country. Yeah. And, and I also want to recognize who's, again, always – one of our heroes of the week, but Representative Jamie Raskin, who mm-hmm. uh, was one of the leaders who put this and made this a, a reality, and just the tenacity that he has on this issue mm-hmm. and other ones after losing his own son to suicide mm-hmm. just uh, a day or two before the January 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, he's amazing. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he finds yeah. the energy to, you know, put his shoes on in the morning, least of all, you know, lead the charge on all these issues. Thank you for highlighting that important work. No problem. Um, Next up, we're going to hear from Allison Gill. She's got all the inside scoop uh, on what's going on with the January 6th committee investigation and and the hearings. And and she'll really get us excited about this um, Thursday uh, night primetime um, oh, live yeah. hearing. So stick around. Dr. Allison Gill is the host of Muller She Wrote podcast, The Daily Beans, and Clean Up on Aisle 45. She has previously worked at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, where she was wrongfully terminated by the Trump administration. Now she's also the force behind MSW Media and their spectacular lineup of podcasts, (laughs) of which we are one, of course. Allison, thanks so much for joining today. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited for all the things that we collaborate on, especially the live show. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, um, but I can't wait to be in L.A. Uh, doing this sticky politics stuff uh, in front of an audience. But first, I, I want to talk about the J6 committee hearings with you. Um, you were in D.C. for the first round of those committee hearings. We've all been on the edge of our seats watching these from home. What was it like being in the actual room? Um, There's a lot because I watched the first two at home and then I was in the room for the second two. And there's a lot that you don't get to hear and see when when you're at home. There's a lot of comments from the gallery. There's a lot of gasps mm. and uh, reaction that, that doesn't come across when you're watching it on television. Uh, for example, um, some of the things that uh, Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman were testifying about with uh, the danger that they've been in as you know Georgia election workers after Rudy and, and Donald personally went after them by name over and over again, sent a Kanye publicist to to right. try to you know intimidate them uh, basically and say you know you've got forty eight hours to to say that there's fraud or you could get hurt and uh, and to hear and to see these some of this testimony in person you can hear um, the gasps I, I remember I was sitting next to officers Rogers Gannell Harry, uh, Harry Dunn and uh, Fanone. And when we learned that somebody had heard from the Proud Boys that had they found Nancy Pelosi or Pence, they would have killed them, right. uh, you could hear the officers like responding to that, um, to those kinds of things, or, or when they would show some of the 
uh, really, really difficult videos of people breaking police lines and barriers and, and harming, um, harming the Capitol Police. There was, there was a lot of reaction in the room. Uh, must have been amazing. Also, uh, I mean, for all the worst reasons, uh, one of the more historic, you know, hearings that we've ever experienced as a nation, uh, to be in the room for that. And part of that is, uh, must have been really impactful. Uh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure you appreciated, uh, the gravity of the moment and, and the part of history that you were witnessing while you were there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had many times when I thought, you know, I started a podcast at my kitchen table, mm. you know, with a couple of Audio Technica $80 mics, and uh, and here I am, front row to history. Um, it, right. The size of the room, the 80-foot ceilings, that screen that they show things on is like a 30-foot screen. It's so big, and it's it really does. The... the, the the historical nature of it weighs on you when you're in there. You can really feel it. And to just be honored enough to sit next to those officers who who are just absolute heroes in my book, was it was truly something else. It was really something else. I can only imagine. I mean, I, I, just watching it with my daughter or watching with my family, I feel, I feel the weight of history on, on everything that we see. Uh, you've been tracking all of this, obviously, for, uh, for a long time. I'm sure that there was some things that came out that a lot of us were really surprised about that you were expecting. Um, what were your biggest revelations from the hearings so far? Uh, the things that uh, we didn't know, for example, a lot of what Cassidy Hutchinson testified about. And then, of course, because she was so over the target, she was taking a lot of fire from people like Ornato, who was a known liar, mm -hmm. uh, people on the right trying to discredit her testimony only for it to be corroborated by metropolitan police officers and others in, in the Secret Service. Um, but particularly the ability of the committee to directly connect Donald to the violence at the Capitol yeah. through phone calls to Bannon, through his uh, December 19th will be wild tweet, uh, which came just within a, an hour or so after that bizarre December 18th meeting in the Oval Office. Well, three different offices in the White House. It moved <laughs> it moved around quite a bit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, where people were like, get up and I'll kick your ass. You Rudy know, thought Hirschman's it was really like, cool. Rudy Rudy loved yeah. <laughs> being alone in the Roosevelt room. That was so cool. He's probably fapping. That guy's weird. Yeah. Um, and that he was drunk the night of the... Um, <laughs> yeah. The, which wasn't really surprising. The night of the election wasn't really surprising, but it was just interesting that they mentioned it so, you know, a few times to, to, to really drive the point home. But I have to say, I think the most surprising testimony came from... Cassie Hutchinson's hearing where she said that Trump had asked the Secret Service to remove the mags, to remove the metal detectors from the ellipse, and then mentioned it again in his speech, and then last minute put Pence lines back in the speech for people to go after Pence, and knew ahead of time they were able to prove with that draft tweet that he was going to march down to the Capitol and other people, or he was going to tell the people at the Ellipse to march down to Capitol and that other people knew it too. Yeah. We saw that uh, tweet, that text from Ali Alexander. We saw Kylie Kramer mention it, say this is absolutely a secret off the record. He's going to just mention it in his speech. Uh, and that to me shows the, the pre-planning and the premeditation uh, and connects him directly 
to the violence at the Capitol. I think that was the biggest. I was waiting for it because Jamie Raskin mentioned it in the first hearing. I'm like, oh, they've got it. They've got the connection. What is it? And we, we finally learned about it. Yeah, it's um, every hearing seems more damning than the last. And, um, and now we've got a primetime hearing, which can only mean that they have their most damning revelations yet. We're expecting to hear more uh, on Thursday about what Trump was doing that day. What are you expecting to hear? Yeah, a lot of people have been watching these. As we know, it's been getting record ratings. Um, yeah. I think 13 million for the Cassidy Hutchinson. And, you know, you have to keep in mind America's Got Talent got like 5 million. The National Hockey League Game 7 final for the Stanley Cup got about 4 million. Let's not pretend we really care about hockey here in this country. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, but I mean, you know, these are serious numbers. Of course, of course, the right wing's like, there's 330 million people in America. That's 2%. That's lame. You know, and you're like, oh, whatever. Okay. Um, and now we see the recent, most recent Ipsos poll that 63% of people uh, think that uh, the, the hearings are important. Mm -hmm. And that, and the biggest rise is among uh, independents. And that's just in the last month, 8% up, uh, which is huge. And so, yeah, this primetime hearing is going to be covering the what? The 187 minutes of Trump not doing anything. And that's important, not so much from a criminal standpoint, because like Hutchinson's testimony and some of the other testimony has been really important from a criminal standpoint. The Eastman stuff, the Department of Justice stuff for a criminal standpoint. This is going to be more for a court of public opinion standpoint, because doing nothing while the rioters were attacking, the ones that you sent, that you were hoping would be armed, that you knew about in advance, and doing nothing and actually being gleeful about it uh, is a violation of the oath of office of president. Right. And, and that's an impeachable offense. It might not necessarily be illegal. It's a high crime, but it's not maybe a crime crime, right? Unless you can prove some sort of negligent manslaughter, uh, which I think Barb McQuaid was possibly talking about, but that not, not mm -hmm. so much with, about him doing nothing, but about him actually doing something, sending and citing them to go do that. Yeah. And so that's going to be really, really important for the court of public opinion that he just absolutely failed to execute his oath of office. And I think that's also important he wants to throw his hat in the ring again. And, of course, he says he wants to declare his candidacy before the midterms, which I'm all for. Yeah. Hell, do it. But now the interesting thing is that his lawyers are flipping out. They think, you know, Rolling Stone has done some reporting mm -hmm. um, that his lawyers think that Meadows is going to be indicted and they want to make him the fall guy. And they want him, they want Trump to run for office again because it complicates, as if you become a candidate for president, it can complicate a criminal indictment. Uh, it, it just makes the decision, it just puts another variable in the decision, prosecutorial discretion wise, for whether or not you're going to indict him. I think they should, no matter what. I don't care. Yeah. And they're scrambling, trying to figure out, game out what to do because they think Trump is going to be indicted. And I have to say, his lawyers would know best because Donald is paying at least a dozen witnesses for their lawyers. He's paying for their lawyers so that they can get transcripts and information of, from interviews back to Donald Trump. That's why he's doing that. Interesting. I did see that Rolling Stone article, um, and uh, Mariah and I talked about it a little bit earlier. <laughs> like, uh, 
I, I've never heard of a president who said, who thought, okay, I'm going to run for president to avoid being prosecuted for crimes. Um, but I, I guess that's as good as any to uh, seek the highest <laughs> office in the land. Well, we talked about, too, that was why he didn't want to lose in yeah. 2020 was so that he could be protected by that Office of Legal Counsel memo from prosecution. And one of the reasons he probably fought tooth and nail, probably one of the reasons he did fight tooth and nail to hold on to power. Well, you've um, you've been, uh, at least on Twitter and in my conversations with you, um, fairly patient with the methodical approach the Justice Department is taking. Um, and, uh, you know, many of us, certainly many of our listeners, uh, if rightfully so, want justice. They want it now. Um, it's hard to wait. Uh, where do you think the Justice Department is is now? Um, we had Glenn Kirshner on the show, and uh, Glenn Kirshner called uh, Merrick Garland uh, quiet storm. So I, I like that moniker for Merrick quiet storm garland uh do you think the storm is in fact coming sooner than later well i don't know when it's coming i just keep in my head the watergate timeline right the break-in happened in 72 the hearings happened in 73 the indictments happened in 74 and so i keep trying to remember that and and as jamie raskin said this insurrection makes watergate the watergate break-in look like a cub scout meeting And a couple other things I keep in mind. There's no benefit in indicting Donald tomorrow, zero, versus indicting him next March, for example. A lot of objections to that statement that I just now made would Mm be, well, he'll kill, he's going to be on the streets running around, criming, grifting, spreading disinformation. If we indict him tomorrow, he's going to be doing that anyway. It's going to be at least... (laughs) eight months to a year before he goes to trial, and he's not going to be in pretrial detention. Um, So he would still be able to grift and crime, and he would still be out on the street for quite a while. He would still be able to run for office. He would still be able to to declare. A lot of people say, well, if we don't indict him before the midterms, then the Democrats are going to lose. To that I say, if if you decide not to vote because the former president hasn't been indicted, you're an asshole. (laughs) <laughs> uh, now, granted, there might there might be a bunch of assholes Very well out said. there, <laughs> and maybe people are worried about those assholes. Mm. Um, but that falls into the category of we get the government we deserve, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that, and and personally, I have a thread going on Twitter of all the things that the Department of Justice is investigating: um, the fifteen boxes of stolen documents, the um, Sidney Powell pack. The f- actual attack on the Capitol, physical attack on the Capitol, the fraudulent elector scheme. They're, they're really deep into that investigation. Uh, there's like 11 to Rudy, you know, there's like 11 different things that, that we know that they're investigating. I think they are doing the hub and spoke investigation, which is what Andrew Weissman put in his New York Times op-ed. What is the, what is the hub and spoke? What does that mean? Where instead of just starting at the bottom with the boots on the ground and working your way up to Roger Stone and Steve Bannon and Alex Jones and working your way up to Eastman and Clark and then working your way up to Meadows and then up to Trump, what he's saying is look at Trump and then from there you have the fraudulent elector scheme. You have the attack on the Capitol. Ah. You have the you know all these different spokes, these conspiracies coming off uh, from the hub. And, and honestly, I think they're doing that. Trump has been mentioned several times in FBI interviews. The DOJ is investigating one with Brandon Straka, I know for sure. He's been 
named and alluded to in multiple subpoenas. Um, he's, he was actually named in a, in a Peter Navarro subpoena, which I think was a subpoena for, uh, it was a subpoena for communications between Navarro and Trump regarding Navarro's subpoena by the January 6th committee. And I think that's an obstruction investigation because, mm -hmm. you know, you can't obstruct justice. He did in the Mueller investigation. There was a whole separate team looking at obstruction of justice and the committee is not a judicial proceeding, but it is a congressional investigation, and that's called obstruction of Congress, which is like obstruction of justice, but for Congress. So I think that there's a lot of different, you know, the fact that they're looking at Sidney Powell and the funding, the fact that they're looking at the fraudulent elector scheme, the fact that they're looking at the attack on the Capitol, and mention his tweet, his December 19th tweet, mm -hmm. several times in several indictments of Proud Boys and, and Oath Keepers. I think they're looking at the, uh, you know, I mean, there's, it's all I think that it shows the boxes of documents I think it shows that they are doing a hub and spoke investigation none of us really know that's the whole thing that sucks yeah and I do wish here's what I do wish I wish the Department of Justice would just come out and say we are investigating Donald Trump for the overthrowing the 2020 election uh, and for obstruction of justice they can do that. It's not usually advised, but there's circumstances in which they can do it. It's in the manual. It's in the justice manual. If there's a huge public need to know. And also, you know, that the argument against not announcing investigations is, well, you don't want to tip the, the people off so that they can flee or destroy evidence. I don't think right. it would come as a surprise to Donald Trump for him <laughs> to know that he was under investigation. His he's already know. he's already destroyed all the evidence that <laughs> that he can think of destroying if we if the FBI hasn't exactly. grabbed it already. He's, so. His lawyers aren't going to be like, "Oh shit, we have no clue," and then run around like the Keystone cops. They know. Rolling Stone told us they know, and they're prepping for it. So. I wish that that announcement would be made because I think that it would allay a lot of concern. It yeah. would make my job easier. <laughs> That's and, for sure. Well, it makes a lot of sense too. I mean, the um, that that has to be the next step. I think I agree with you, uh, especially coming off of these uh, public hearings, because as you said, the public is going to want next step answers like okay where do we go from here um they have laid out such a clear case of all the criming um then and I that's think, the point of the committee right is yeah. to get the american people to be like indict trump yeah so that when the department of justice does there's not a big huge political backlash that's the, that's the one of the points of the january 6th committee yeah great point um and uh, it's just so much fun stuff to watch right now, too. Steve Bannon's uh, jury selection has started. I was a little disappointed this morning. First of all, he showed up. I thought for sure there was going to be some gout or some COVID or something <laughs> in the Bannon trial. And a game, I like to, a game I like to call Qantas Camisas, which is how, guess how many shirts Bannon's, Bannon is going to be wearing. <laughs> how many? Uh, and he was, Did you he see was only wearing two shirts and a jacket. He had a suit jacket on. That's like... That's like more baller than Jim Jordan. I mean, I was like, okay, wow. he's dressing up for this. I, I, I was, I was a little shocked and, and kind of disappointed because I thought for sure <laughs> my bingo card had him coming down with some sort of sickness. But That's fancy. Did he? Did he get a? I haven't seen it yet. Did he get a, a haircut? Did he uh, shave at all? Or it was combed back, mm. um, and it the, it kind of reminded me of member in Raising Arizona, where they're uh, after they've <laughs> crawled through. 
a hundred yards of shit and then go to the gas station bathroom and put the Brill cream the in their hair? All the pomade in their hair, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was reminded of. Well, I'm sure he looked ruddy and, and handsome as always. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm so excited about our live show. Yes. Let's talk about that because uh, you broke the news on Twitter a couple of days ago. And um, we are getting together live at Largo on August 22nd with our friends from the Midas Touch podcast, with uh, Frangela, and uh, with the great Kathy Griffin. Um when was the last time you did a live podcast, Allison? Boston, December 2019. Wow. And then three months later, we were in lockdown. Um, yeah, 2019, we did, I think, like 14 cities. And it was some of the best. It, it's not a money-making venture, anyone who's looking to go on tour. <laughs> but it is seriously one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. And I can't wait to see all of, uh, you know, the listeners live in the audience. Um, and also the, the coolest thing, uh, Kathy Griffin has agreed to come out and have a discussion about the midterms mm-hmm. because it, this is so amazing because t- every single dollar of ticket sales is going to the How We Win Fund. And I'm, I'm so excited about this. Tell everybody about the How We Win Fund. Yeah, well, and everyone, by the way, is like, "Who's how we win?" <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm thrilled. Uh, like, I've been wanting to put together a live show and um, and a, a live podcast for this fund. Uh, and uh, this lineup has far exceeded my expectations. I'm so grateful to you and uh, and everyone else who's participating in it. Um, and uh, and yes, 100% of the money is going directly to the candidates that need it the most. Uh, what I love about the How We Win Fund uh, is our friends at Swing Left help choose the political targeting on this. So um, there's uh, 10 different recipients of this money. Uh, it includes Senate races. It includes congressional races. It, incl- it includes gubernatorial races, some local state houses that um, – are going to be on the front lines of making sure that election results are actually election results and that your power of your vote isn't taken away by Republican-held legislatures. All of the most important things. And then these are the candidates that really need the money. They're um, they're, uh, they're the races that may be on the bubble or maybe they're behind their fundraising. It's so hard to know where to donate money. And there's always shiny things that we want to donate money to for good reason. Um, so uh, so this takes the guesswork out of where you're going to have the biggest impact. It changes. It's not always the same 10 people. It may change from now till uh, August 22nd. You know, it might, it might change up a little bit. But that's what's so great about it. It's very strategic. Um, so uh, I'm sure all those reasons are, are part of why you – wanted to do this and participate, you know, uh, what else got you interested in doing this show uh, with us and these and these great peeps? Well, well, just like you said, and, you know, I'll, I'll piggyback on what you're saying. I love math and I love data. I thought and, you said and meth for a second. And I was I like, I'm not going to joke. <laughs> uh, I love data. I love the maths, if you want to, if you want to go European on it. And, uh, <laughs> and what, 
how we win and swing left has done is they've crunched all the numbers, just like you said. They have found, you know, because people in the last election wanted to send all their money to Amy McGrath or, right. you know, somebody who's got a $90 million war chest and doesn't need another dime while there are winnable races that aren't getting the money, it, you know, that they need and could, you know, it could go a, a lot further uh, if sent there. So I love that they're doing the math for us. And, and that's uh, my number one thing. I love live shows, as you've said. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. I love Frangela. I love the Midas Touch guys who I've never got. I haven't gotten to meet any of you in person because of COVID. I know. And, and I love Kathy Griffin. And, you know, I have got I have gotten to meet her. And, you know, she's been a, an amazing host having us uh, up at her uh, beautiful home to screen some of these hearings. Um, but honestly... The live interaction with listeners who are who are plugged in and care, mm-hmm. um, and are know they they'll know what we're talking about <laughs> when we're on stage. Yeah, uh, and we mentioned names like Murtaugh and and Jason Miller and stuff. You know that it won't. It, you know they'll they'll un, they'll know, and they that community honestly is is the, is the coolest group of people. I have ever known in my life and to just be there with them and have that communion, that political communion and fundraising is just going to be so energizing. And I think it's going to really lift everyone's spirits because, you know, the, the media is not helping <laughs> with, <laughs> with, uh, with the way that they're reporting on, on certain things. And, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg is Biden's approval rating low because of the media or is it low and the media reports it or does the media report it and then it gets low? It's so I just want to get out of all that, get out of our heads and go out and have an amazingly fun time talking about politics and raising money for the things that we know are important. I love that. Um, getting together, uh, having that sense of community is so important. Uh, we've been organizing in our zoom bubbles for the last few years and it's not the same. And I was, uh, was it last weekend? Uh, no, l- weekend previous, I was at uh, the California Democratic Party executive board meetings in person for the first time. And it really was so empowering. And uh, I-, I talked about it on the show, but uh, we've been carrying this weight of, of what's going on in our country. And if you're active, if you're a volunteer and an activist, even doing just a little bit, um, it-, it can feel crushing. And when you get into a room of people that are doing this work together, uh, we all take a little bit of that weight off of each other. And and that's what's so important about being in community with each other. So I'm really excited. And also stupid jokes. So uh, that's really important, too. <laughs> and swearing. <yeah. laughs> and swearing. Yeah. And just that, that feeling of you're, that you're not alone, you know? Exactly. Is- is so so important, and and it's it's going to be wonderful, and I, I I'm I'm hoping that we have more of these to come. So, yes. Uh, before I let you go, um, what's your reason for hope? What's giving you hope right now? Uh, a guy named Matthew Graves. Um, he's he's running the the DC U.S. Attorney's Office, and this guy has balls of steel. He came in, um, as you know, Mike Sherwin. Uh, was the former Trump guy at the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. He brought a seditious conspiracy case 
over to Merrick Garland for the Oath Keepers. And Garland looked at it and laughed in his face and said, no. And then also you were on 60 Minutes yesterday telling everyone that you were going to charge people with seditious conspiracy. So you probably fucked this whole thing up. Mm. So get out of my office and no. And then he was investigated and he resigned before he could be hit with sanctions. And then in November, right, like six months later, in comes Matt Graves. And he's like, you know what? No, there is seditious conspiracy here. And people were probably like, we never win seditious conspiracy cases. He's like, I don't care. This is seditious conspiracy. Uh, yeah, but Merrick Garland already said no. He's like, I don't care. This is seditious conspiracy. Went to Merrick Garland, buttoned up the case in a, in a justice miracle and said, Garland, we're, we're, we're prosecuting for seditious conspiracy. And Garland went, okay, and looked at it and gave it this thumbs up. And he, and he, th- he threw those charges out there, to my surprise. Uh, I thought they were going to stick with 1512C2, obstructing official proceeding. Then he brings in Wyndham, of all guys, a really great public corruptions guy uh, from Delaware, has him le- head up the, uh, the – there's different teams that are going on investigating January 6th in the Justice Department in mm-hmm. case people didn't know. And they put him in charge of this other team. Uh, and looking at the stuff that isn't you know, related to the actual physical attack on the cap of the boots on the ground, guys. And he's getting it done. When he came into the Department of Justice, there was a lot of pushback saying, I don't think we have enough to get Trump. And he said, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And so he kept pushing and he's kept he, he's investigating. And these guys have these guys have the fortitude to get this done and do the right thing and indict people all the way up, including Donald Trump. That brings me that brings me hope, along with the community that we just talked about. Mm. Well, if the Justice Department is bringing you hope right now, bringing you hope right now, then that's bringing me a lot of hope right now, too. I love love hearing all of those words. I love hearing all of your words all the time, Allison. Thank you so much for, for joining Howie Win and being uh, such a good uh, – like there is nothing more important than amplifying all of our progressive truth tellers right now. And you're doing that with MSW Media and all the great podcasts that are, um, you know, helping to drown out uh, the lies. Steve Bannon's busy. He can't record his podcast right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, the the Steve Bannons of the world who take up who take up way too much of this playing field in, in, progress, in media, not progressive media, but in media in general. So... Thank you for all you do. Thanks for being here. And um, I'll talk to you before then, but I'll see you on August 22nd. Yes, yes, you will. And thanks to you for the How We Win podcast and the How We Win Fund. It's going to be amazing. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this because we're going to make a huge dent. We're going to make a huge, huge dent. Oh, thank you all so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or tweet to us at bluesboysteve and at Mariah underscore Craven. Make sure you follow, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Share us with your friends and family. Help us build this community um, and uh, share our live show with them, share our fun with them. This is how we win. Thanks for being here, and we will be back with more next Wednesday. <laughs>